0: that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, GetPuroAir.com. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio, I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a conversation with Tara McKenna about simple switches to change your mindset regarding waste. We're all trapped in a wasteful, convenience-based cycle, but Tara's new book, Don't Be Trashy, offers an alternative, an approach to reducing waste that emphasizes progress over perfection. Ultimately, it's about changing your mindset to one of minimalism and conscious consumption, a mindset that's as good for your wallet and your well-being as it is for the planet. For those of you that have been longtime listeners of the show, this is where I always ask everyone to head over to iTunes to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. So for those of you that are longtime listeners, what are you waiting for? Head over to iTunes, leave that rating and review. And for those of you that are new to the show, welcome. I hope you enjoy this content. Thank you so much for being here. I would love to hear from you to hear how you heard about the Minimalist Moms podcast. And again, I love seeing your five star reviews on iTunes. So go over to iTunes and leave those rating and reviews. That said, now we move on to my minimalist moment of the week. I did have a moment to share with you, but I do also have a resource. So really quick, my moment was this week I was really in need of my rug being cleaned. I didn't know what the best, most efficient, yet cost efficient option would be, so I put it out on one of the Facebook moms groups that I'm in that's local to our community and someone actually offered to let me borrow their rug cleaner. I'm sure some of you think that that's a little strange and would never wanna do that, and that's totally fine, but I love to save money in any way that I can, and I also love to prioritize borrowing over buying, if I can. But yes, this is just my encouragement to be more mindful when you are considering a bigger purchase or something that seems kind of unnecessary. Even if you are wanting to test run an instant pot or an air fryer maybe one of your best friends would let you borrow hers for a week or so and then you can see if you'd actually want to invest in the item for your home so I like to think outside the box and I'm here to encourage you to do so as well all right really quickly I did want to share a resource with you as well Lindsay from Home Sweet Herringers shared Lumi countertop composter The website says Lumi takes care of your food waste so you can spend time on things you actually enjoy. This is not sponsored. A listener reached out and thought that you all might want to hear about Lumi Home Composter. So I'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into this conversation with Tara McKenna. I really wanted to ask her questions in regard to zero waste that I had myself. I've said this before. It seems daunting to ever fully apply a zero waste lifestyle, especially with children. So I wanted to ask her questions that you might have. For example, how am I to be motivated to buy more sustainable clothing options when the thing at Target or Old Navy is so much more convenient and super cute? So questions like that Tara had great answers for and I really can't wait for you to hear that and more. So let's get to it. Tara, thanks so much for joining me today on the minimalist moms podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad we're making this happen. I can't wait to talk about your new book today. Don't be trashy. But before we get into that, why don't you go ahead, tell me a little bit more about yourself and if you consider yourself to be a minimalist.
1: Yeah, so I run a blog and lifestyle website called the Zero Waste Collective. And I write about, you know, low waste living and minimalism on there. And I've just written a book actually called, like you said, Don't Be Trashy, A Practical Guide to Living with Less Waste and More Joy. That just came out in January. And I've actually also recently had a baby. So a book and a baby. My baby's almost six months old now. So it's been kind of a whirlwind in the last few months. And I do. Yes. Do I consider myself a minimalist? Um, I strive towards minimalism. Does that count?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and honestly, so much of what you're talking about, which is often the case with my guests is that they practice intentional living. And that's a lot of what I talk about on this show. So minimalism can sometimes be a really intense, intense thing to apply to your life, especially with kids. So I'm actually wondering, I want to know more about zero waste and sustainability, going back to you having a baby, what has that looked like having a baby and still trying to apply this lifestyle? Just, do you have any quick tips right off the bat here? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I want to also
1: say like, I agree, like minimalism can seem like an extreme lifestyle, but so can zero waste. And certainly I'm not a hundred percent zero waste and I'm not a hundred percent minimalist. So just bad diets out there. I find that the, the lifestyle is really about making it work for you. And in terms of quick tips for living low waste with a baby, I mean, I'm certainly really new into the parenting world. This is my first child, so I, I don't have years of experience, but we are using reusable diapers and it's not as hard as it sounds. Like we're having a really fantastic experience with that. I know it's kind of daunting to a lot of parents who are already like, oh my gosh, we're dealing with this human thing and we have to keep it alive. And, and you know, reusable diapers on top of that sounds really daunting, especially when there's already a lot of laundry, but it's actually not not as crazy as it sounds. And we're into a really good routine with it. But also we've managed to get a lot of stuff secondhand, um, really fantastic stuff like at this stage they're growing out of stuff so quickly and that boggles my mind too it's like next week she'll be in a different size of clothing you know and so we managed to get a lot of stuff from you know friends and family and, and just uh even just facebook marketplace has been like a gold mine of stuff for her that we don't have to buy firsthand but the the coolest thing that we're doing right now and this really ties into the minimalism piece as well as low waste living because a lot of it is about consumption like reducing our waste We can do that easily just by reducing our consumption, right? So um, because it reduces the amount of packaging there is, but also just the whole like resource extraction and manufacturing and all that, that side of things. But I'm participating in this kind of like toy rental subscription company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but basically like every three months you can get a new set of toys and send the old ones back. So right now we're sending back the three to six months and soon we're going to get the six, nine month set of toys. So we don't have to hold on to them. They get to go to a new baby and it's a really great way to be low waste and minimalist at the same time.
0: Yeah. Who are you using for that?
1: So because I'm actually, I'm based in Canada and I think it's called the Toy Exchange Club, but there is a similar company in the U.S. It's called Tiny Earth Toys.
0: Yeah. Tiny Earth Toys with Rachel Classy. Yeah, she was on the podcast back on episode 179 and we talked about creating an eco-friendly foot put- playroom. So I really love that. So smart. Like honestly,
1: like why hold on to that stuff? I get it. If maybe you're going to have multiple children and it makes sense to hold on to those items, but at the same time, it's just so much stuff to hold on to. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's a great way to pass it along and not have too much stuff, just cluttering up your house.
0: Sure. Yeah. I want to say one last thing about that. I do want to get into our conversation. I don't want to talk about babies too much, but I have been struggling a little bit to get rid of things because I'm pretty sure we're not going to have a fourth baby, but I I've wanted to keep a hold of things just in case. But I also have family members that are like incredibly generous and constantly want to give gifts even throughout the year. And so I realized I'm like, this isn't going to change in their personality. And they obviously don't realize that I'm trying to be a minimum. Like I have this podcast. I am for sure a minimalist, so I don't know what their deal is, but all that to say, if I purge something and give it to a friend that needs it. It's like, I can ask for another fill in the blank for this new baby's first birthday. I know that that is there. I don't know if that's abusing and abusing people in a certain way, but I just know that they want to give gifts. And so I'm like, well, just get them something similar down the road. Yeah, and you know,
1: if you if you're not sure about having another baby, then that's definitely one way to do it because I also am in the same boat. It's like, okay, well, we have one, but are we going to have two? I don't know. <laughs> like it actually took us a lot longer to have one than we, we but we had planned. So now I'm like, okay, well, do I keep the stuff? Do I get rid of it? We if we do get rid of it and we still get a baby, you know, have a baby in a couple more years, like you said, you can get that stuff again. So it's not the end of the world if you declutter now and figure it out later. It's, Luckily, you know, I've borrowed a lot of stuff from friends that I can, like, give back to them. Like, oh, baby bathtub. She doesn't need it anymore. Here you go. Thanks for letting me borrow it. But I think that you really hit on a really good point there literally you just mentioned like gifting. Gifting is a huge problem if you are a minimalist or if you're striving for a low-waste lifestyle and I talk about that in my book because there's literally a whole chapter dedicated to the subtle art of refusal and the idea is not to refuse a gift as it's being given to you because that would (laughs) be very ungrateful and, and rude unless there is a certain situation where it's warranted but normally it's not but it's about talking to your family in advance, right? To be like, like you said, they should know you're a minimalist by now. I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> that's a different issue. But for the most part, we've had a really good experience with family and friends. about kind of it sharing our values and desires around that. And so, with our daughter Emma, we set up an education fund pretty quickly for her. And so, we luckily for Christmas we didn't have too many gifts for her. We didn't need much because she was born in the fall. So luckily, she didn't have a a ton of presents, and we got mostly money towards her education fund. So it's just kind of sharing your values in advance, and and then setting expectations. Not everybody's going to follow those, but for the most part, I would say people are pretty respectful of it. And through that, you could reduce your waste, right? Because I find like my concern is with her growing up that she's going to get a bunch of crappy toys that she's not going to use. And, and that's not a very nice thing to say, crappy toys. But I, I guess I'm saying like, we have specific things that we want for her, like developmental toys. We don't want too much plastic stuff, not too much packaging. You know, we're just very particular. And so with that, we don't want a bunch of unnecessary items. And I think once it's going to be probably harder once she gets to the stage of birthday parties, right? Like I, that's a whole other ball game. but I, I'm hoping to navigate that with, if you want to give anything, like we're hoping to let her learn how to choose a charity or an experience over things or, or those sort of things. So there's a lot of overlap between minimalism and low waste living, right? I think there's a, a really strong connection there.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And it has been harder. I mean, I don't try and pretend like it's still perfect over here now that my kids are getting older. Like it has been a lot harder to keep some of those things out of the home that I really don't want, especially like, I don't know what's with this trend right now of everything having to be like fuzzy and unicorn. It's just like very aggressive and bright I don't know I'm like trying to remember what I liked as a kid and I'm like okay I'm sure there is something similar but just everything has fur on it right now I'm like why is she bringing home this keychain that's just a fuzzball this why do we need this (laughs) I hear you we talked about kids. I want to shift a little bit into the household. You say that you want to emphasize progress over perfection, which I totally agree with. And that's the way that I try and live my lifestyle as well. And you provide a month by month guide through the year for reducing consumption. And we're just going to talk through some of those tips today. And then listeners, if they want to grab a copy of your book, you can tell them where to do so at the end. So one of the things that you do talk about in your book is turning off the flow of stuff to our homes. So we've talked about this a little bit consumption. So how do you recommend listeners start to do this? Where have you started and where do you encourage people to do so?
1: Yeah. So I have a whole chapter dedicated to decluttering and minimalism, and I think they're really important because they're, almost like two sides of the same coin, figure out how you've been consuming in the past, right? This is your chance to like, look at the stuff you have in your house and figure out, do you even like it? And if you don't, then maybe it's not for you anymore. Or does it fit if you're looking at your clothes? Or do you, you know, does that style reflect your taste? Or are you holding on to sentimental clutter? Or, you know, do you, have a habit of buying stuff that you don't always use. Maybe you like to hoard nail polish. And I say that because that's a specific example from my past where I used to be addicted to buying nail polish, even though I would barely touch it. I would like hardly paint my nails, but I, as soon as I hit that aisle in the grocery store or at pharmacy or whatever, I would, you know, beeline it for that aisle and look at the nail polish and spend 20 to $25 on a bottle. And then it would sit in my cupboard. So, you know, it's, it's a, an opportunity when you declutter and, and remove stuff from your life that no longer serves you and you can find it a new home, it gives you a chance to be like, oh, like maybe I don't need to buy nail polish anymore. Maybe that's not who I am, but it's not that I don't paint my nails. Like I like to go get a manicure or pedicure or whatever, but someone else is going to paint my nails and someone else is going to hold on to the nail polish. I don't need to have that stuff at home. So I always like to start with decluttering. And that's certainly where I started. And the reason I started with decluttering was not by choice. It was by necessity because when my husband and I first moved into our first home, it's a century home and it had the tiniest closets, like ridiculously small compared to today's standards. Cause today it's kind of like walk-in closets are kind of like the norm slash what's desirable. Right. And so when I literally unloaded all of my boxes and bags of clothes, I could not fit all of my clothes into the small closet and my drawers. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I considered taking a trip to the container store and obviously trying to like figure out how to put all my stuff away. But at the end, I was like, no, I can't do this. There's just too much stuff. So I decluttered out of sheer necessity. And, you know, that's obviously a very privileged situation to be in to have too much stuff. But at the same time, I think we're definitely seeing that's a a problem for a lot of people regardless of your income situation that we're all accumulating so much stuff instead of perhaps diverting that money into savings and investing, which is something that I think is really important. I also talk about in the book. So yeah, so I definitely recommend starting with decluttering, but then it again, connects you right down to the minimalism piece because it's like, well, clearly I didn't need that many clothes. So I needed to consider stop, you know, stop stopping and then (laughs) reflecting and then figuring out what my path forward was like do I need to shop for that many clothes you know and I realized that I didn't need to own so much I pared down and I managed to fit all of my clothes either in the closet in my drawers and then I I live in Canada and I have four seasons of the year so I did have a bin under the bed that had seasonal clothes so that way I didn't have to like look at my winter stuff during summer because you don't want to see your winter coats in summer so I just think that it's a really good you know step for people to take to reflect on their own consumption but also from a waste perspective because because we're consuming so many clothes and so many things in general we're also contributing to waste so because we're buying more clothes than we need we're also throwing them out ex- at exponential rates and that's creating textile waste so when you reflect on your shopping habits it's a great way to discover like, oh, I don't need so much. So when you dial back your consumption you're helping to reduce waste as well. So it's this like a whole picture that I I like incorporating the minimalism piece but uh, um, attaching it to the waste piece because it's unfortunately very wasteful because you can be a minimalist but if you have that one in one out rule it doesn't necessarily reduce your consumption, right? So. Uh,
0: Yeah, yes, because yeah, storing things like you said, you wanted to go to the container store to figure out how to help you store all the things. And I don't know statistics in regards to income levels and what people are accumulating, but even something like an inheritance, you could, come up with a lot of stuff, even if you aren't making a ton of money. And then you have all this stuff in your home and you're like, do I need to go store all this stuff or pay for a storage locker when it's so completely unnecessary? And I think that, and I've, I've said this before, but we have to get really honest with ourselves about why we think that we're valuable to others. I know this is kind of silly and somewhat departure, like a departure of what you're saying, but even when it comes down to clothes, it's like, Do I need to wear a new outfit every day? Is that what makes me valuable to people? Is that why people like me because I'm wearing a different outfit because I'm stylish? Do people really like me for that or do they they like me for me? And so when I think you can detach some of these things you've built up in your mind to why you're valuable to the world, it helps me at least to detach from materialism and to my material possessions. Yeah.
1: And that's something that I also talk about in the book as well as just having an opportunity to define what your style is right mm-hmm. and you know to if we're talking about it, it can be anything from fashion to even just home decor because not only are we dealing with fast fashion these days but it's actually going into furniture and decor trends where we're seeing fast furniture where it's like oh like I can buy a new couch you know every couple of years because it's becoming cheaper and easier to do it so I can change up my home decor. But I think you know the better thing to do is to buy stuff that's built to last but More timeless in style, but that reflects your taste. So, what's timeless for me might not be timeless for somebody else, right? I like gray. There's like I'm sitting on a gray couch, and my walls are like gray. Like I'm very much of the the grayish kind of simplicity. But some people really like color, and if you really like color, then embrace that. But Mm -hmm. embrace your style because if you're busy chasing trends then it's a losing battle because they're now, you know, we're seeing trends change so quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, trying to keep up and, and unfortunately what I did read um, in terms of keeping up with trends is that generation Z is struggling specifically with the, you know, one outfit a day type of thing. Like they don't necessarily want to be seen on social media in the same outfit twice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that's really hard to keep up with, especially for younger generations who maybe have less disposable income, you know, as they're starting to develop their careers, right? So like, it's really sad to think that they're going to go spend a lot of their money on clothes and shopping instead of investing in their future, right? So it's like, I completely agree with you. Take a minute to self-assess and be like, do I need to be following trends? Yes, we want to fit in, you know, it happens. Like you want to have your peers and, and you know, relate to them. And, and that's all fine, but you're right. Like if they don't like you because you're not wearing different styles every day, then, then maybe that's a superficial relationship.
0: Yeah. And, and it is a hard thing to do And I'm, yeah, I'm not saying it's easy, but it, for me, that's where this whole thing started for me was when I was assessing myself and the idea that I needed to have a different outfit for the different things that I would do. And it, Yeah, it put me in a ton of debt. And it also was a void that was never going to be fulfilled because there's always going to be something you're chasing. And so, again, I think when you get that perspective, it doesn't make it easy, it makes it easier. And you have like that goal in mind, which brings me to my next question. You did talk a little bit about fast fashion, and that's what we're talking about right now. And I think a lot of moms listening, the thing that's hard to depart from fast fashion is. Old Navy and Target are so convenient. So, what are your tips for this? Because I have some family members that are like, I just can't afford to go do that, and I'm like, that's where secondhand stores come into play. But what are your tips? What do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You're totally right because a lot of people just think the lifestyle, like the sustainable lifestyle, is more expensive, but it totally depends on how you're going to live a sustainable lifestyle because sure, any lifestyle can be expensive. You can definitely go on the higher end of the budget, right? And go buy all the fancy things. So if you wanna go get, you know, a fancy brand new water bottle and like for your zero waste kit and like have all matching jars and containers in your kitchen. Yeah, it's gonna get expensive fast. And then if you wanna go to all the sustainable and ethical fashion brands, then yes, that's gonna get expensive too. But what people don't realize is that if you even account for inflation, we are actually spending more money per person on fashion than we did 50 years ago. So if that's the case, then I would say that people might want to reflect on their spending. So I know people don't necessarily love to look at, you know, their, all of their credit card bills or whatever, but just get a sense of what you're spending over the course of a year on fashion. And then ask yourself with that budget, could you have maybe shopped somewhere else? right? Could you have bought fewer pieces? Like what are your shopping habits, right? Can you buy fewer but better pieces? And that comes into, you know, building a capsule wardrobe. So fewer, better pieces that last longer, probably look better. The stuff that's not made like the stuff that's cheaper tends to not fit as nicely as stuff that's a bit more tailored and a bit more expensive so it's actually going to just like help you feel better because you're you know going to be wearing better fitting clothes and that kind of thing but at the same time there's that convenience piece as well right so obviously if you're shopping at target and you can do all of your shopping at one time then that can make it more challenging and what i want to do with my book is meet people where they are right so it's like okay maybe it's not going to be perfect but if you are going to shop from fast fashion brands don't treat it like fast fashion for example you know buy stuff again that you know if you're sorting through stuff you'll you'll figure out pretty quickly what's you know good and not good in a store but try and find the stuff that's going to last in the places that you're shopping. Right. And then of course, there's always also um, secondhand shopping, which is really, really important as well. I find another challenge with secondhand shopping is if you have a very specific item in mind, you might not always find it. I find when you're secondhand shopping, you have to be a little bit more open-minded about what there is. I do like going to consignment shops because they have already edited a lot of the pieces. And that's personally where I take a lot of the clothes that I'm done with. And I always try to make sure that like, I buy pieces that would be worthy of consignment, right? Because they're pretty ruthless. And if it doesn't meet their standard, then it's gonna go to, you know, goodwill. And, and, and that's self-finding good too, but I'm just trying to make sure that what I buy has longevity and quality. And at the end of the day, when you do, do take a moment to be a bit more intentional, and I like that you were that used that word earlier on, If you're more intentional about your wardrobe you're probably actually going to save money in the long run and i always suggest in terms of like buying anything but buying fashion in particular because we're talking about that it's just to have a wish list right like Mm -hmm. it's easy to walk through target and just buy whatever like we so in canada we had target for like two years (laughs) for whatever reason it didn't last but we had a target in my town for two years Mm -hmm. and i found it way too easy to go through all of the sections of the store to like you know the home decor i was always putting stuff in my cart and i didn't necessarily need home decor but because it was really pretty it was on the shelf it was convenient so it's it's a good time to be like oh is that how i'm shopping because that was not intentional shopping 100% it was just oh that looks cute that'll look good in my house and it went into my cart yeah. but that is the stuff that i end up decluttering later on <laughs> so it's just about intentional shopping and And if it's convenient shopping and then that, that stuff might end up being the tags on clothes that are sitting in the back of of your closet that you haven't touched as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting. The fact that you're talking about target and how it's easy just to throw home decor things into your cart. I've noticed, I don't, I very, very rarely will step foot into a Target. If I'm going to get anything from there, I usually do a pickup order so that I don't go into the store. It's just much easier for me. But if I go into a Target, I'll notice that everything is kind of simple now or just classic looking. And I feel like they did it on purpose because they're, they know that people are trying to be aware of their consumption. I, I think people are trying to be aware of their consumption, I would say. There's at least a, a shift in that direction. And so I'm like, you guys are trying to outsmart us and thinking like, we'll see this and be like, oh, this is classic. This is simple. This is basic. It's going to look great in my home. And then you still do it, you know? No, and that's such a good point
1: point so it's kind of almost better if you're gonna go get your groceries go to a grocery store if you're gonna go buy clothing go to a clothing store if you're gonna go get home decor then go to a home decor store because it's really Uh, easy if you're shopping in a you know this shop has everything then you're gonna end up buying everything that you don't need while you're there
0: (laughs) absolutely unless you have
1: really great self-control which is you know part of the discussion in my book anyways because like that was years ago that I was talking about right I'm very much more particular now of like when I shop what I'm buying and like you know and that and that's what I recommend as well right and and to also like when you do have a wish list it's like okay well where can you buy these things from and even before you ask where can I buy these things from it's really important to just be like First of all, do I need it? So, the nice thing about like, you know, having something on your wish list is like, you might two weeks from now realize, oh, I don't need that. I'm going to take it off my wish list. So, then that's money you didn't even have to spend. And it's like, oh, do you already have something that you can use? Or can you borrow that item from somebody else? So, for example, special events, like if you're going to go to like a wedding and it's like, oh, like, can you borrow a dress from a friend? Or could you rent it? Or, you know, there's so many different options that you know, just shopping your own wa- wardrobe, for example. Um, but like having to buy a new outfit every time, like who cares if you go to another event and wear the same outfit? I think it's getting comfortable with wearing the same outfit more than once too.
0: Absolutely. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west All right. So talking about target or using fast fashion or, or using, I guess, going to fast fashion, fast fashion stores, I think it is important to like shift and intentionally shift and try and think through what we're doing and why we're doing it. So like you said, I try and invest in pieces now that are hundred percent wool secondhand that'll last me years. Or I have some uh, hutched in my home that I've had for years. It's vintage. I got it at an antique shop and I, I do love it, but I'm like, this is really nice wood that is going to last. It's not the, I'm not going to try and like poo-poo on Ikea, but it's not like that whatever the fake wood is from Ikea, um, which is great. I have some stuff yeah. from Ikea, but how would yes, you- Yes, so do I, but yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I want to discuss is investing in home goods that last for decades without breaking the bank. So I want to know how you've done this personally and how you would recommend listeners do this.
1: Yeah. So this is a really important part of the discussion because there's something called planned obsolescence. So basically- after World War II, they needed to really ramp up the economy. Right? So, and with that just came a marketing need, right? How do we make sure people want to buy stuff that they don't actually need? And so, part of that was this idea of planned obsolescence. If we design it so that it goes out of style, then, you know, old styles become obsolete. You feel the need to fill that void with new stuff. So, that's why I talk about, you know, developing timeless style or your own taste, but also they've designed stuff that's built to break, right? Stuff that's not going to last. And that—that that is everything, right? It's everything from, you know, our home appliances to, you know, our technology, like it, it's everywhere. So it's the reason why we need a new phone in a few years from now, because the software doesn't match the hardware and you just have no choice but to get a new phone or a new computer or whatever. So unfortunately, you know this planned obsolescence lessons is keeping us consuming and keeping us buying and also it's almost cheaper and for the most part i'd say it is cheaper to buy a replacement than to repair something so it's really important to be like like take a step back from that level of consumption that i don't think that we're always talking about and just be like oh like if i just buy something a little better and it's a little bit more expensive and, and I know that can be a bit challenging if, especially if, you know, you're not in a state of financial abundance, for example, um, but it's worth your financial efforts to save up for in the long run. But basically don't buy the crap thing, buy the nicer thing, because you're just going to be paying out again and again to replace that crappy made item that was cheaper later on. So I've, you know, had that experience in the past. Oh, like, oh, it'll be easier on my credit card if I just buy the cheaper version And I don't know, for whatever reason in my head right now, I keep thinking about the nozzle for a a hose in my backyard because that was the item that we got cheaply that I, I can think of off the top of my head. So for gardening, the nozzle we got was cheap. And unfortunately, because we bought the cheap one, the next year, we literally had to replace it. And since then we bought the more expensive one and it wasn't even like a huge difference in price, but I know some people are very keen to shop based on price. But when we got the more expensive one, literally, we've had it for years. So if you think about the fact that we literally had to replace the cheap one the next year, and since then we haven't had to, I've saved more money in the long run. So if you are price conscious, buying the item that's a little bit more more expensive, better quality, you're saving the waste because literally it wasn't something I could repair. So it's almost going back to... You know, our grandparents era, right? Like, it's so funny when I published this book, and there was a bit of a media blitz when it first happened, and I got these emails from women in their like 70s, 80s. And they're like, oh, this reminds me of like years ago, of, like when this was how we used to live, right? You like mm-hmm. saving up for the better quality stuff and not buying, you know, crap and just letting it, you know, needing to be replaced. So it's just mm-hmm. buying stuff, good quality, but I totally get that there's a budget piece here. And, you know, if you had told me this when I was newly out of school and like paying off You know, university debt or whatever, you know, a lot of Americans and Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck, and it's kind of hard to tell people that they should be, you know, buying more expensive stuff. But when my husband and I first moved in together into our first home, I really wanted a nice wood, solid wood (laughs) bedroom set and. We managed to find it online. Like we got a secondhand set and it had everything that we wanted and needed. And the nice thing is that entire bedroom set if we had bought it brand new would have cost us thousands of dollars. We managed at the time to get it for 300. So an entire solid wood bedroom set that was stunning. So you can buy beautiful, really high quality stuff for, you know, secondhand or save up to buy it. It's totally doable regardless of your budget. And then the long run, you know, you have quality pieces in your home that you don't have to keep replacing. And I think that's, you know, from a money perspective, that's important, but also time. Like who wants to spend all their time replacing all their stuff? Like that's more time you have to spend shopping that you could instead spend doing more important things like spending time with family and friends.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. The one thing that I do, cause I try and justify everything. If I have to spend a hundred bucks or something to get a new tire, I'm like, well, my mom bought Charlotte a hundred dollars of clothes for spring. So that was a hundred dollars. I didn't have to sp-. like, I have to justify everything or else I'm just like, Oh, I can't believe we have wasted money. So all that to say when There's something that's nicer that I want to get. For some reason, the thing that keeps popping into my head is the Christmas tree base. I've wanted a really nice steel one for years, something that looks really vintage, but we keep buying these plastic ones. And then somehow my kids get a hold of them after the Christmas season. Usually I think my husband just puts them on the back porch and the kids somehow find them and break them. So we've had to buy a new one this past two years we've lived in this house. And I'm like, we just would have bought the steel one, the cool one, it would have worked. But my, going back to my original point, to justify, I will look at what the crappy one costs. So say it costs 30 bucks or something, and then steal one costs 60. Then I'll find things around my house to sell for that extra $30. It's like, okay, I would have spent the 30, but then we're going to spend this extra 30 here. So I'm just going to sell some stuff. And once I do that, I will have the $60 and we can go do this. So it's kind of like thinking like that too, which maybe sounds kind of crazy, but I like to find ways to make it. I just like to make it happen. Like, no, not at all. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. If you're determined, you
1: will make it happen. And I have actually, because the financial piece is such an important part of the conversation. I literally have two chapters of my book dedicated to, you know, budgeting and sustainable lifestyle, in an affordable way. So I just think it's like, a mindset thing, right? Like, if you think it's unaffordable, then it will be unaffordable. But you can, like you said, you just got really creative, like, oh, I can sell something and make up the difference. So it's just like, okay, well, how can you make up for that extra amount of money in a way that doesn't impact your finances in a big way? And like you said, that was such a creative way to do it. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, thanks. Okay. Well, this was awesome. I'm going to ask you, where can listeners find you? And then I do have two quick questions to ask you here at the end. So where can listeners find you and connect with you online and grab a copy of your book?
1: Yeah. So the best place to uh, check out my work is my website, thezerowastecollective.com. My book is available wherever books are sold. You can get a hard copy. You can listen to it on Audible or get it for Kindle, whatever floats
0: your boat. Great. Well, the two questions that I ask every guest before we wrap up are, well, the first one is what is a beneficial resource that you'd like to share with listeners that has been really helpful to you in your life? So I know I'm kind of catching you off guard, but what is something you would like to share? No,
1: no, no, that's that's a good one. Um, So one thing that may or may not be in your community is a tool library and it's a really great resource because if again this is the whole consumption thing if you want to use something but you don't want to buy it say for example a drill Mm -hmm. um, you can go to your local tool library so it's just like a library for books but they often have other things and there's I know there's some in the states there's some here there's one in my town and the nice thing is that the tool library that we have they also offer repair cafes too so basically volunteers from the community come and they literally hang out for a couple of hours and they will come you can bring stuff to get fixed so it's a really cool resource so you can literally google like tool library and see if you have one in your town um and they have more more than tools at my tool library like you can literally get anything you need say say you're having a big backyard barbecue party and typically people have you know red solo cups and paper plates and plastic and cutlery. Well, you can go to the tool library and get all of those reusables instead. So you can get the plates, the cups, the cutlery, instead of having to buy all the stuff that you're gonna just throw out. It's a way to save money and also save, you know, having to have all those things. Right. So a tool library is a fantastic resource.
0: Yeah. I was trying to do a quick search in my neighborhood. It looks like the best place to go is localtools.org, and you can find one that's local to you. So I'll include that in the show notes for listeners. Perfect. Yeah. All right. My yeah. last question, and then I'll let you go is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be anything silly or just something that you find serious, anything that you love. Um,
1: Okay. From a low waste perspective, I'd say um, I can't stop talking about shampoo bars (laughs) because I think it's one of the easiest swaps people can make. And honestly, they're so life changing. I can say maybe 10 years ago, they probably would have sucked. And that's a problem with some of the stuff that, you know, people are like, oh, like shampoo bars don't help my hair. But Honestly, because the low waste and zero waste lifestyle has become really trendy in the last few years, those types of products have become way better. And I should honestly become an ambassador for this product, but definitely making a switch to shampoo bars and conditioner bars is a really great way to reduce your waste and still have great hair.
0: <laughs> What's the one that you use?
1: Um, it's the Canadian brand, called called, uh, unwrapped life, but there's so many companies these days that are making shampoo and conditioner bars. And the nice thing is, like I said, like they have come a long way and they have bars for different hair types, which is kind of, you know, a criticism that people have had in the past, like, Oh, well, if I have curly hair, it doesn't work for me, Mm -hmm. but they are getting much better to tailor to different hair types. So that's really good.
0: Cool. Well, I need to check that out. I have, I have very long hair. So do you think it will work on me? Like, am I going to go through them a lot? No, actually, I'm amazed at how long they last.
1: They okay. last, and my hair, although it's a lot thinner like now because of, I don't know, I seem to be losing it because <laughs> I had my baby. But anyways, um, it my husband and I actually use the same shampoo bar. That's the nice thing too is that mm-hmm. he likes it as well, and uh, they last us a good couple months. So definitely worth checking out. Again, it it seems a bit more expensive, but it lasts longer than you know. A bottle for example plus i i'm also very clean keen on clean ingredients yeah. and typically if it's a low ace option typically it's also like a non-toxic more clean option too so uh, that's a nice thing that that overlaps
0: yeah well tara this was a great conversation you gave it so much to think about and i just really appreciate your time today thank you so much for having me and i hope you have a great rest of your day what did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.